This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hello and welcome in. It's the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Matt Marchese filling in for Jeff. He will be back tomorrow, we think. Depends on if the airlines want to cooperate. Uh, an abbreviated show today as we will be on for only the one hour uh, Masai Ujiri's press conference will take us off the air today, but we will be back tomorrow with a full show. Okay. Elliot Friedman is scheduled to join us in a couple of minutes as long as his flight landed on time. Which in this business, you pray that flights land on time. Um, he'll join us in a bit. And then Lance Lasowski from the Buffalo News will also join us. We'll talk about the Sabres. But last night, so the Panthers lose last night to the Red Wings. Dylan Larkin with the overtime winner there on the power play. Sam Reinhart sets a new franchise record with a goal in eight straight games. He's got 10 over that span. He passes Pavel Bure to break the franchise mark. In 11 of his last 12 games, Reinhardt has either scored a power play goal or a shorthanded goal. Three of those 11 are shorthanded, which is pretty incredible. And what a time to have a career year for Sam Reinhardt, who is just scoring almost at will right now. Very much going to be in the conversation for the Rocket Richard Trophy by the time this season's all said and done. But here's the other part of what happened last night that's pretty incredible, and it doesn't really involve any of the teams playing, albeit, yes, there was only four teams playing two game, two games last night with the, the Buffalo game being postponed with Chicago. So with the loss by the Panthers, it means that only one team in the league does not have a losing streak of three games or more, and that belongs to the Vancouver Canucks. Hat tip to our pal Jonathan Davis for pointing this one out and sending that tweet last night. This, to me, just speaks volumes about what an impressive turnaround by the Vancouver Canucks after what we saw last season. All the drama. By the way, the drama has apparently dissolved since Jeff has been away. No drama, nothing. So I'm pretty sure we figured out who the catalyst for all this drama is. It's Jeff Merrick because he prays for chaos, although I do too. But it just tells you about everything that has gone on with the Canucks, the coaching change, and how improved this team has been under Rick Tockett. And there's no noise around this Vancouver Canucks team. That, to me, is the most impressive thing. Um, They get the Arizona Coyotes tonight. You can watch that one on Sportsnet Pacific. The aforementioned Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts joining us now. How was your long flight from Vancouver to Victoria? Are you a helicopter guy, Marchese? No, no chance. I'm barely an airplane guy. You're kidding me. Okay, so here's so here's the story. We went to um, Las Vegas, my wife and I, on a vacation, and we did the Grand Canyon tour on like a six-seater plane. I will never do that again. And that was a smooth ride. I will never do that again. So definitely not a helicopter guy. When did you become such a wimp? I mean, I know you've always kind of been a wimp, but when did you become even more of a wimp? So as I've told Jeff, I am afraid of heights, but he tells me, no, you are afraid of falling, which is true. I'm afraid of falling. And I I don't like roller coasters. Airplanes I'm better on, but a helicopter, no chance. There's not enough money in this world to bring me on a helicopter, Elliot. 
so you know, um, well, I, I'm I'm afraid of heights too. Mm-hmm. And, you went skydiving, uh, right? Yes, yes. That's the way I tried to conquer it. I skydived from uh, I think it was 4,100 feet. Did it work? Mostly, yes. There are still some things I don't like, um, but uh, that had a lot to do with really helping uh, me through it. But I've never had a problem with helicopters. So Kevin and I took the helijet this morning oh. from Vancouver to Victoria. And it's a, it's a helicopter trip. It's 35 minutes. It was excellent. The funniest thing was Kevin's like, why don't you sit near the window? Because you've never done this before. So I actually climbed into the co-pilot seat. And I sat there. And they came and they said, no, no, no. You don't sit there. Go sit <laughs> over there. And my response was, I, I think I could fly this thing. And the guy laughed. It was like, get out of my seat. But it was a, it was a, it was a nice little trip. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. Well, it's a different vantage point too, right? Because you're not flying as high, so you get to see a, a little bit yep. different side of the province, which is which is really cool. Um, how? Oh, By and the way, I have to I have to disagree with you on something. What's that? You said there's no noise around the Canucks. I mean, that negative I, I, negative noise. Yeah, that's true. I mean, people are freaking out about the Pedersen stuff, but uh, generally, all, all, all yeah. Uh, you think so, eh? You breaking some news here this morning? No, no, it'll get done. You can't. It's huh? it's not going to not get done. You cannot let a player like like I, I was on I was on Canucks talk earlier this week, and we were talking about the Patterson Patterson and how he's played. And I said if he's not asking for the Austin Matthews contract, his agent's doing it wrong. That's that's what I think of that player, and I don't think that the Canucks can say no to that. Well, I, I have to say this. I hope you're right because, number one, it's good for hockey in Canada. Yep. And number two, I was at a charity event last night, and I bought a Pedersen autographed jersey. Nice work. Which I'll eventually, which I'll eventually give away. But that thing's really going to go down in interest if he doesn't <laughs> resign. So now I have a personal reason <laughs> that I want Pedersen to resign. Okay, since we're there, um, where do you think things are at with with the Canucks and Pedersen at this point? Because like I said, I I can't imagine the way he's played. You know, you and I talked about this uh, maybe a month ago. I mean, how much more does the price go up here? Because it just feels like there is a price that, that this camp is looking for. And my guess is that, I mean, not my guess. I know it starts with a one and maybe it has a three in it beside it like uh, I, I, I don't know if we're going there look like put it this way like I don't think the issue here is price <laughs> whatever the price is the Canucks are going to pay it um, I, I think you know it's actually been really interesting um, you know Patrick Alvin who's usually in the cone of silence um, has really come out of it in, in the last little bit he did an interview with Dan Murphy uh, in the intermission of one of the games and there was a really good piece with Ian McIntyre on sportsnet.ca and you know this is kind of the first time i've i've heard the canucks say um i don't know if the word is frustrated but clearly they want their fan base to know that they're ready to do this and Pedersen isn't now and so like i don't think this is about the money i i really don't man i think this is simply is when is Pedersen ready to do it and you know, the, the, the one thing I would do, and this is actually me arguing against myself. Nice. This is not the kind of argument that I should be making as a reporter. I think it might almost be better. Now that the Canucks have done this, and, you know, I, 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 I like the fact that Alvin did these interviews and was more revealing than he normally tends to be, I would just do full-on blackout. Like, we're not talking about this anymore. Because I think the one thing is, is that... 
I think I understand what they did. They just basically came out and told everyone, we are ready to do this. The thing I think about Pedersen is he doesn't like his name being in the noise. Mm-hmm. Like, he just wants to play. So I think now that the Canucks have talked and said, look, we're ready and we're waiting for him, if I was them and this is arguing against my own best interests, I would just say, okay, we've done this, done. And the next time you'll hear from us is when there is or isn't a deal. And Because I, I do think the more Pedersen's name is out there about this stuff, the more uncomfortable he gets. It certainly hasn't affected his play. <laughs> that, that, no. That's something that we can say for certain. Um, so I, I, put the, I put this stat out. This is from our pal Jonathan Davis. Um, and with the Panthers' loss last night, the Canucks are the only remaining team that have not had a losing streak of three or more games this year. Pretty incredible considering the turnaround yep. from last year with all the drama that surrounded the team and, and all, you know, at Jim Rutherford saying things and, and having to, you know, put, basically put a cone of silence on himself. And they bring Rick Tockett in and things got better. And now we look at the fruits of this labor and how good the Canucks have been. To this point, what's been the most impressive part of the Canucks for you? Well, that's a good question. I mean, the, the lack of three losses in a row would be it. That's, uh, that's very impressive. Um, you know, I think, you know, one, one thing is, I remember when they came through Toronto, I, one of the things that JT Miller said really stuck with me, and that is that, um, oh, he said that, um, um, what he said was, the thing that's really helped us this year is that when we're not playing well, we know what we're supposed to do. He talked about their structure. And I, I have found over the years that the best teams, Matt, when things are going badly, they know how they're supposed to play to recover. And I see that in the Canucks this year. I've seen some games where they've been scrambling or haven't looked very good. And then they kind of say, okay, this is what, we remember what we're supposed to do in these moments. And I think that has really helped them a lot. Um, I think they've made a lot of really good acquisitions. Um, you know, like, like Casey DeSmith, I would say, for example, has been one of their best moves this year. Because one, he's played very well. And number two, he's allowed them to rest Demko a bit more. Um, the other thing, too, I really like about Tockett is that he emboldens everyone on his roster. Like, you look at the guys like Dakota Joshua, you look at the guys like the Giuseppe, you look at the guys like Lafferty, they feel very clearly that they are important in talk at world. And, like, first of all, your best players have to be your best players. And Vancouver's best players consistently have been that. You're going to win a lot of games like that. But number two, they've got great backup goaltending. Um, they've, their role players have been very good. There's a lot of things to like about this team. And, you know, one of the things I was kind of looking at is, um, you know, there was a time where I think if you win either the, the Pacific or the Central, you're looking at Edmonton in the first round. And now I think Edmonton's going to be higher than that unless things really change. It's going to be really interesting because I, I, I don't think Rutherford's going to sit on his hands. I think he's going to do something. And my question is, what is he going to think is the most important thing for him to do between now and March 8th? It's like when he thinks he can win, he, he goes he for it. rest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, and I'm going to, I'm going to guess that they think they can win. Based on everything that we've said, there's no reason to suggest otherwise. They've been 
one of the best teams in the NHL, bar none. Uh, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, it was one of the bigger stories yesterday that didn't get a ton of play, um, but Amazon helping rescue Diamond Sports Group from bankruptcy, and it will absorb Bally Sports, which has, as we know, a lot of regional NHL rights, and we've and you and I have had that conversation before. But here's kind of the kicker, is that um, the games on these networks, it looks like will be streamed on Amazon Prime. I know it's early mm-hmm. in the process, but what's your take on all of this, and, and what do you think the NHL's view is on this? Because they do have a relationship with Amazon and AWS, um, but how do you think this one plays out? Well, one thing I haven't figured out yet is what this means financially. Um, uh, like, I know all these teams have had deals with Diamond and Valley, the regional teams. They expected they were going to take some kind of a hit. They were hopeful it wouldn't be as bad as they were worried about. Um, but, you know, they were, they were expecting to take some kind of a hit. So that is, um, you know, that's, that I'm curious to see what that means. Look, you know, I don't think there's a there's anything bad about having Amazon long term in your business. Um, Amazon's a very powerful worldwide force, and I think it, and also don't forget like they have they're in tight with the Kraken. You know, they're mm-hmm. they you know they're part of the ownership group there. So um, you know, and and I. And I'll tell you this, I, I did hear when people were trying to talk about how, how is the NHL going to make its way through this, that there was talk about before this happened that Amazon might end up with the local rights to you know, a couple teams. And, and, and so I'm not surprised this is there. I, I haven't figured out the money behind it yet, um, Matt, but look, like, who's going to have a problem with Amazon being part of your league? Nobody. They're part of the NFL now. They have a night. And, you know, nothing would surprise me if somewhere down the road there's one night of the NHL on Amazon. And I would bet the NHL would be very happy with that. Well, I mean, to have someone like that just kind of go, yeah, we'll save this. I mean, that's a big thing for for the regional networks for sure. Uh, I'm just very interested to see how Amazon goes about it because there's a cost associated with this for the viewer as well. That's that's the part that I'm most interested to see how this thing plays out. Uh, Elliot Friedman, Hockey Night in Canada, and 32 Thoughts joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. Uh, Jake Gensel. So his name has been out in the trade rumor mill, and he's without a contract for next season, as we know, and uh, I'm assuming due for a pretty significant raise from his $6 million AAV. Kyle Dubas came out and said there's no truth to this. Like, this is not happening. But when you look at where the Penguins are, when you look at the interest that would be in Jake Gensel, how do you think that they approach this? Is this one of those that could come down to the wire based on where the Penguins are? Or do you look at this and say Jake Gensel is a part of this team's future, which to me, that looks like a a tougher thing to do based on where the Penguins are in their salary cap going forward. Well, I, I, I would disagree with your premise in one sense. I, I don't think he said that. There's no, no truth to anything here. I think he kind of confirmed what a lot of people were thinking, which is that Gensel's going to sit down and have a conversation with them or his representatives will around the All-Star break and we'll see where it's going from here. I think, I think I mean, I can only speak for myself. That's kind of what I had heard and was expecting. And I don't think I'm the only one. Um, look, like if Gensel's available, there's going to be a lot of interest. He can play with great players and he can score. Um, so that's going to be a thing. I, to me, and, I, and I've said this, and I, and I really do believe it, 
the true test of Gensel's future is going to be where Pittsburgh thinks it's going. Um, if, if the Penguins are going to be in a situation where they're not going to be trading assets for help to win the Stanley Cup in the next couple of years, and I think that's possible, then I'm not sure that Jake Gensel is going to stay there. Um, I think, you know, he knows what it's like to win. I think he wants to be in a winning situation. Um, and, you know, the Penguins, I think they're, you know, they're trying to make the playoffs, but they also ha- are trying to build. And short-term moves aren't what Dubas wants to do. So I kind of look at it as um, if the Penguins say, look, Jake, um, we, we aren't, we aren't going to be making short-term trades. So the next couple of years, it's going to be about building our organization back up. I'm not sure that he's going to end up staying there. And I think that's the conversation that everybody is keeping an eye out for. Uh, I got. I know how I got that wrong because I mixed it up with my Julian Brisebois uh, conversation about Stephen Stamkos. And I do want to get there in a sec. How do you think yep. that Jake Gensel is viewed around the league? Because some people he's may look player. and well, he he is a good player, and and I totally get that. But do is there a chance that some people may look at it and say, well, he puts up a lot of points. Yes, he plays a lot with one of the best players in the league in Sidney Crosby. Yeah, but- well, that's hard to do to play with good players because I think people don't understand that. There could also be a thing like. Is this guy, does he need to play with elite players to be good? Or can he do it on on his own? That's the only question that I think, I don't believe that that's the case. I'm just saying, could teams look at him that way, do you think? People can look at people uh, the way they want. I think if you've proven you can play with good players, you want guys like that. Um, Yeah, so like, like, you know, a perfect example is Besser. Um, You know, Besser last year, you know, he was available to anyone. This year, he's an all-star. And um, as if you, and maybe he's not a guy who creates offense on his own, but he's a finisher. And finishers matter. Finishers absolutely matter. And if you put Besser in a place where he can be successful, he's going to score. He has proven that, and he's proving it again this year. So I look at Gensel kind of the same way as I look at Besser. If you put him in a place where he's going to score, he will score, and those players are important. Uh, that, especially in today's game. I mean, if you, it's it's not easy to score uh, 30 goals in this league, but some people think that it is, which is kind of crazy. And that's what Jake Ensel does basically year in and year out. Uh, okay, so Julian Brisebois, he kind of gets out in front of anything and says, Steven Stamkos is not going anywhere. Nothing is going to change my mind from now until the trade deadline. And then we'll talk in the offseason about the future. Here's the thing that kind of gets me about all of this. Like, Steven Stamkos came out and basically said how pissed off he was that there were no discussions, or at least very little discussion, about a contract extension. I'm not... What what can you kind of gather from this situation? And, and why, I know why Julian Brisebois did this now. I understand it. But why not have conversations in the offseason if you believe that he's part of your future? Well, I think that's kind of what Stamkos is saying. Um... If you look at the Lightning's history, it's take care of guys a year in advance. And, you know, they didn't do that the last time with Stamkos, and they aren't doing that now. So I'm sure that Stamkos asked that same question. Um, you know, like uh, Breezeblatt, and I say this with respect, he's a really tough executive. Um, he's a grinder. He believes in what he's doing, and he will do what he thinks is right for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And... Um, you know, I, I, I think at times it hasn't always been easy uh, for Stamkos and the Lightning, which is disappointing for him because he's given everything to 
to that organization, the only organization he's ever known. Um, but, you know, Brisebois is the kind of guy, he, he's all about winning. And everything he does is about winning and winning some more. And that's the way he will govern himself. And as Stamkos has said, I don't think he likes this, but all you can do is, is play hard and see what happens. I think, I think the thing that everybody knows here Jeff, or, or Matt. Nice try. Right? I know yeah. you wish he was in this chair, but he's not today. No, he's I back don't. tomorrow. <laughs> no, I don't, because i got to see him today. Some weird questions with Jeff Merrick. Um, <laughs> you know, Matt, is that, you know, like, um, you know, like, I, 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 I look at Stamkos, and I see, they know that he never wants to leave Tampa. You go back eight years ago, he went, <clears throat> that's when we still had the free agency window, and he... Want, and, you know, he made it very clear he didn't want to leave. He, he took what they offered. He took meetings with other teams. So he took what they offered. He cut off his free agency, like, what, three, four days before July 1st? So, like, they know that. And when you have that kind of a situation, um, you can maybe drive a harder bargain. That's negotiation 101. Hopefully it all works out. Um, it would be very weird seeing him in a different uniform and, uh, but and a guy can still play. Yeah, I mean, he's still a talented, talented guy. Um, hopefully, it all works out, but we'll see. Still a point of game player, and he just, you know, this is a guy that let's not forget had some pretty serious injuries, and there was talk like, is he ever going to be the same player again? And he's actually, yeah. see, it feels like he actually got better after that, which is really scary to yeah. think. But. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, another former first overall pick, and that's Yuri Slavkovsky. So he scores in back-to-back games, and and our pals at Sportsnet Stats put out the, this number, basically comparing um, Jack Hughes and Yuri Slavkovsky in their first 82 games. And the points per game is pretty close. Like, there's a lot of numbers that are pretty close. And I'm not saying that I'm trying to compare the two. Do I think that Slavkovsky is ever going to, you know, become as good as as Jack Hughes? I, I don't know. They're two different players. But I guess what I'm getting at is here is why are people still with all the proof that's out there about players just developing at different times and young guys coming into the NHL at 18 and, you know, and he had an injury riddled rookie season. Why do we continue to judge these players after one or two years, people calling him a bust Montreal never should have drafted him because look at what Jack Hughes has done with the devils. He's become one of the best players in the NHL. And the thing with Slavkovsky is he can be kind of a unicorn player because of his side size, because of the talent level. But why do people continue to just write guys off so early in their careers? Because when you see those numbers side by side, you go, Oh, well, maybe there is a future here for him. And people, I think people are just gone loopy. Well, that's what we do. We go loopy, right? <laughs> like, it's, it's very well said. I mean, one of the reasons is now, like, in the social media world, uh, Maddie, nobody's got any patience. We need a result right away. We need a result now. There, that is absolutely part of the problem. Um, you know, like, we, we rush to judge really quick. Um, I, I'm with you on one thing. I think it's crazy to label people bus at such a young age. Um, you know, the thing I really noticed about Slavkovsky in particular that it reminded me is the adjustment uh, for players who've never played in North America to come to North America. Like last year, how many times did he get clobbered yeah. in open ice? And he wasn't used to being hit and being hunted like that. 
and he's had to adjust to it. Like, like he may not be um, an absolute superstar Hall of Fame player, but he has a chance to be a very good player in this league for a very long time. And uh, at the end of the day, that's what I expect that he's going to be. Uh, likewise, I just I look at at how he's a physical specimen too. Like that's the other thing. He's just such a yes. big body with a lot of talent, really good shot. Like I, I, I mean, for people to write him off now to me is is crazy. But but that's what people will do. Uh, wanted to ask you. I about, think you know what I think it also is. Yeah, I think I think it's also um, morning. Uh, good morning. Um, I think one of the things that happens too is that like. There's people who love the Canadians and there's people who hate the Canadians. Yeah. They just like to trash each other's players, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that becomes a, a factor too. So um, I think that that's one of those situations where you see that right now. Like people who hate the Canadians, they, they rip on them by saying, your draft pick stinks. And so they come back and they say, your draft pick stinks. And that's part of the fun of being a fan. Social media becoming an echo chamber? No, it could never happen, Elliot. Um, I wanted to ask you about two of the teams playing tonight, Toronto and Calgary. We'll start with Toronto here. So the questions, again, are out there about Sheldon Keefe and his ability to get the most out of this group. And it's the same yeah. conversation that we've had. And, and it hasn't looked pretty of late. Let's not sugarcoat it. Uh, blowing multi-goal leads is, is never a good thing. But when you look at the team and you look at, okay, they're on their third goalie. Their defense has been really banged up over the course of the season. And, you know, some people would say that suggest that they're wasting a, a, an incredible Austin Matthews season, but there's still a long road here. How do you how do you think the organization is looking at Sheldon Keefe here? Because I know he has the extension. I understand mm-hmm. all that. But the noise does get loud. The thing is, Brad Treliving is not a guy that loves to do things in season. I mean, if he has to, he will. But I don't think we're at that point with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Do you? Well, in terms of firing the coach, I'm like trades. Yes, I get that. But in terms of making any move at the coaching position, there's no rush to be doing anything, right? Oh, I'm I'm, so, I'm sorry, Matt. Uh, nice to meet you too. Sorry, guys. Take care. You gotta I'm stop sorry, being, you're, so you're popular on the West Coast too. I see. It's not <laughs> no, even just, just on your walks. Just in the uh, in the hotel. Um, uh, look, I, I think there's two different issues here. When it, first of all, it would be a huge failure for the team if they extended Keith and then fired him. Yeah. Like there's 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 no way around that. Like to me, that is an organizational failure if that happens. So that's number one. The other things here are, I think you're totally right about the roster. You know, if if you told someone before the season that this is what the goaltending situation would look like and this is what the defense situation would look like. Um, I think people would have expected they probably would have been around here in the standings, if not worse. So I do think that some of these issues are outside of Keith's purvey. I think the thing that you can look at with Keith and say, all right, is he doing the best job here is about the structure. Um, you know, like uh, uh, Andrew Brewer, who's a really good uh, former video coach who he, has, he does a lot of tweets about structure stuff and system stuff. He had a really good piece uh, on Twitter the other day, and I would advise everyone to follow him. I think his stuff is excellent. He had a really good piece on Twitter the other day about um, how they broke down. I think it was on the 2-2 goal in Edmonton. And the 3-2 goal, there was a breakdown there as well. 
And that, to me, is the question you can ask about the coach. And that is, look, we understand that the goaltending situation is not the way we expected. We understand the blue line has not turned out the way we expected. I would also mention Justin Bourne's uh, great piece yesterday on the Maple Leafs not owning the puck in the offensive zone as much. Um, like, all of this stuff, what the coach controls is the way they play. And I think that if you're looking at some of the breakdowns that have happened, it's perfectly fine to say, could this be something that could be coached better? But I just come back to, if you're making a coaching change after giving him an extension that uh, hasn't even kicked in yet, that's a real failure for your organization. Uh, the other team and the one that they're playing tonight is the Calgary Flames. They've won four in a row. They're seven and three in their last 10. They are two points out of a playoff spot just behind the Nashville Predators who have played the same amount of games. There's all There's been all this talk, talk about drama surrounding a, a, an organization, more so because they've got a lot of pending unrestricted free agents. But what's Craig Conroy's approach here? Um, is it is it a matter of like, we think we can re-sign these guys, these guys will stay. And we don't think we can re-sign these guys. So regardless of where we are by the trade deadline, we're going to move them or at least try to move them. Do you think that's the, the approach here for Craig Conroy? Or is it just, you know, this could kind of come down to the wire based on where they are in the standings because they're certainly playing a lot better of late and they're starting to get a lot out of guys like Yegor Sharon Govich and, and, um, and Blake Coleman, something that offensively, I don't think a lot of people thought they were going to get as much as they have, but here we are. Well, I, I think, number one, I, I, I have to say I'm really impressed with the way they've played. Um, the other night against Arizona, they're down 2 nothing, you know, early in the third period, and they came back and they, they won that game. And, uh, you know, they came back to beat Ottawa after uh, when they were down uh, a couple weeks ago or last week, and they did it against Arizona. So the number one thing it tells me about the Coyote, about the Flames is they haven't given up. You know, despite all the noise around them, they absolutely have not given up. And I think that's a real credit uh, to those players. Um, uh, you know, I, I look at this. I think Hannafin, to me, it's it's 50-50. You know, does he stay or is he traded? Um, you know, they, they've made him a big offer. He knows what they're willing to pay him. He almost signed it once before. Um, you know, is he going to... Um, is he going to sign it now? I think that's kind of the thing that we're kind of waiting on here. Um, Tanev, Lindholm, uh, I think those situations are a little bit different. Like, you know, I, I think the flame, but the thing is, you know, and Markstrom, I've talked about it. They're not going to Markstrom unless they have something they really think that they can't say no to. And, you know, the thing I'm really seeing here with Calgary is, um, you know, for when they made the deal with Toffoli, as you said, they got a guy who can play, and that is Sharon Govich, and boy, is he playing. I think those are the kinds of deals they prefer to make. I don't think they're looking for all draft picks, especially in Markstrom's case. I think they want guys who can play now. And, look, I think they have to make some deals because the clock dictates they have to make some deals. However, overall, I think they enjoy the way their team is playing. They like how hard they've gone. And I think they're simply saying, like, we would like, we don't want to tear it all down. We want to, we want to get younger, but we want guys who can play. And 
Um, but I think the clock dictates that in some of these cases, they're going to have to make deals because they're not going to re-sign all these guys. It's certainly going to be interesting in Calgary. Uh, tonight will be um, also very interesting to see which of these streaks ends Calgary's or Toronto's. Elliot, thanks so much for taking some time for me today. Enjoy Victoria, and uh, I'm assuming you'll be talking to Jeff tomorrow. Um, I'll be talking to Jeff today. We're recording a live podcast in a couple hours. Oh, that's right. Yes. Well, enjoy that too. Where, is Jeff flying home tonight or is Wednesday coming home? Uh, apparently tonight. If the airlines will, uh, I don't know. This is These are all the things that I hear, Elliot. I don't know if there's any truth to these things. I just work here. No, are you hosting tomorrow or is Jeff hosting? I'm not scheduled to host tomorrow. Do you think that they fly like Merrick home in like, an, in like a Hannibal Lecter mask because you can't be around other travelers i don't know jeff is i don't know jeff isn't always grumpy in the morning but i'm not i'm not certain about how he flies i've never flown with jeff so i don't know how he i can tell airport. i can tell you one thing about merrick he will be at the airport six hours early oh he's like an italian father those uh, are always my favorite yes he, there's nobody i know who goes to the airport earlier than jeff merrick Oh, there's some Italian fathers out there that would have, they would give him a run for his money. I can promise you that. Not mine, because he was almost late for a flight that I was supposed to be on. So, yeah. Um, All right, Elliot, go enjoy Victoria. Enjoy Hockey Day in Canada as well, if I don't talk to you. All right, buddy, Matt. Have a great weekend, okay? You too. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Matt Marchese here with you. Lance Lasowski from the Buffalo News joins us now. And Lance, I had to ask you this question because, I mean, I always tell people in the city in which I reside or around the city in which I work, that if you think it's bad here when it starts to snow, you should see what happens in Buffalo. Like, what's it like living in a snow globe? Because the snow that you guys have gotten over there over the course of the last week, and it sounds like it's going to happen again this weekend, um, how are you holding up? Well, it's there's nothing like it. You can compare it to, it's, it's nothing like the Northeast or other areas of, you know, the U.S. I haven't been in Western Canada like during a bad snowstorm, but here with like the lake effect band, and it just moves up and down and terrorizes different areas of the city. It's something else. This is nothing compared to what we had in December 2022. Thank, thankfully, um, but still, right? I mean, it's just it's nonstop. It's relentless. You just get tired of it. The shoveling, you, you just can't keep up. The funniest thing that I actually saw was somebody said, if only the Sabres had a dome, they would have been able to play that game last night. Um, yeah, that was that was quite uh, <laughs> that was quite on the nose. Um, so the game postponed last night uh, with the Blackhawks. They'll be playing tonight. Uh, Sabres have won four of their last six. And, and part of that has been the play of Uko Pekalukanen, who has a 958 save percentage in four January starts going three and one in those games. It's been a roller coaster of a season for UPL, but do you feel like he's kind of settled in here over the last little bit? Absolutely. And honestly, even some of those bad games, so much of the problem was the play in front of him. Like he's just looked a lot more calm with his movements in the crease before 
you know, being a bigger guy, he'd find himself getting out of position too often, dropping down when he didn't need to. The technique was just too inconsistent to where the the, the ups and downs of his game were too were too extreme, right? And now they just need consistency. And now with the way the team is playing around him, it's a lot more predictable to where that he's been able to keep that technique as sound as it needs to be rather than going back into some bad habits that we saw last season and the years before. So when you talk about the play in front of him, is that part of the reason why Devin Levi is still up with the big club? Because let's face it, he struggled in his rookie year. Um, and that's no surprise to anybody. I mean, he's a college goaltender who comes up and yes, he had some initial success, but teams get a book on you after a certain amount of games and they can exploit weaknesses in your game. Is that part of the reluctance to send him down here saying like, okay, we're playing better in front of him, uh, in front of our goaltenders. Let's see what happens. Albeit the last time we saw him, not a great outing against the Kraken. But do you think that there is a chance that we do see Devin Levi go down to the AHL? Or do you think this is outside of something disastrous? He's going to be here for the rest of the year. I do think that is a conversation that the Sabres are currently having because if, if Lukanen is your number one and you're going to continue to play him, these are must-win games. You know, if they think that he's their number one, which clearly they do believe at this point, Levi needs to play regardless of what they think about his talent. Any goalie development, he needs games. He needs experience. And to go down to Rochester would be extremely beneficial. It could only be a week. It could be a weekend. I do think it's going to happen. We'll see what happens tonight, of course. If Luke and I has a bad game, then, you know, we'll probably see Levi on Saturday against Tampa. But a big reason why he's still here, Matt, is the upside has been extremely intriguing. You see the way that he played against the Canadians on the road in his hometown a couple of weeks ago. And when you're Kevin Adams, you say, wow. Right. I mean, if we defend well in front of this kid, we have him and UPL, this this follows my plan. But the fact of the matter is it's been way too inconsistent. Levi will have a great game and then he'll play small. He'll he'll revert back to some of the bad habits we've seen creep into his game since the start of the season. And I think that this is genuinely a day to day situation where they're going to see how Lucan plays tonight. And if he's gonna be their starter Saturday against Tampa. I would not be surprised at all if Devin Levi goes to Rochester, even if just for the weekend, because he needs to play. There is something to be said about Devin Levi, because he seems like a really confident kid. Like he, he seems like someone who is really confident in their ability. So maybe, maybe this doesn't stand in, in terms of his future and, and, you know, maybe ruining him. But is there, is there a sense of, you know, let's not, ruin this guy by having him up here. Cause we don't want to kill the confidence. We want him to, you know, be able to become a professional and, and maybe it's better served for him to do it at the AHL level where he can be a dominant force and then bring that confidence back up to the NHL level while still working on some things and not having to play in the NHL where the games are a little bit more meaningful for the Sabres. And he's kind of learning on the job. Exactly. And we've seen the highs he's, he's shown he can play at this level. So as a manager, if you're Kevin Adams, you think, okay, well, let's, Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's see if he can handle the, the adversity because every young player is going to have that adversity. But let's face it, this is a very unorthodox approach the Sabres are taking to goalie development here. No, I don't know how many other teams, if any, would have got, taken Devin Levi right from Northeastern to the NHL and essentially let him write his own story. Kid, if you can handle it, we're going to have you in the NHL. If you can't, you'll go to Rochester. And time and again, 
you know, when there have been some rocky moments in his game, they've stuck with him because of the belief that he has in himself, what he's shown them in terms of being able to improve day to day, the confidence and belief that Kevin Adams has. And of course, like a big part of this here, Matt, is practice reps. Like Devin Levi will have a bad game in practice the next day. He is their better. He's their best goalie. Like he's really good in practice too. So it's all about translating those reps to the practice situation. And they were going with a rotation between the two young goalies once they sent Eric Comrie down to Rochester. At this point, though, Lukanen has taken the crease, and if he runs with it again, they're going to have to pivot, and they're going to have to send Levi to Rochester. I know they're having that conversation now, and. You know, we'll see what happens tonight because I think that's going to be another part of their decision here. Lance Lasowski from the Buffalo News joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. Another young player that, uh, I mean, Levi, there wasn't as much of a surprise about that he he made the, the roster. But Zach Benson, for some, it was a surprise that he made the roster. Not because he didn't deserve it, but there's the age factor. And, you know, keeping him past the the 10-game the mark where you're like, okay, he's he's on the roster for this season. When you look at the, the course of the season for Benson, he scored the highlight real goal for his first NHL goal. And you're like, oh, boy, the, I mean, this is a sign of things to come. And, and it was wonderful, but he's only scored three goals since then he has no points in his last seven games and yes he's still 18 years old which you know some people will forget hindsight's always 2020 but when you look at at the trajectory of this season for Zach Benson do you think maybe they're they they have second thoughts about or at least any doubts that maybe keeping Zach Benson around wasn't the right thing to do no, I, this is this is a regime that very much prides itself on not doing things the traditional way. They feel like they're going to stick to their plan. They're going to let their players show them where they belong. And right now, I know Don Granato wants Zach Benson in the NHL because he trusts Zach Benson ex- explicitly to be on the ice in every situation. Benson has killed penalties. He's on their power play. He's back on their top line. He's one of the players that's on the ice when they're protecting a one-goal lead. Now, you could make the argument that what does that say about the rest of the group, that that an 18-year-old has come up, uh, surprisingly, the 13th pick and is in that situation, but he's been one of their top three most consistent forwards. And, that, and I'm speaking with, about his play away from the puck. Like, defensively, the details in his game are exceptional for a player that you see go at 13. Now, I think they have no... No second thoughts about keeping him back that then game mark and having him still on their roster at this stage of the season, Matt. But then we get to the 40 game mark, and then it becomes it becomes a different conversation. Like, okay, because that's what goes towards free agency. What are they going to do there? I think he's stay, sticking around, but there's a lot of people in hockey. If you talk to people in the WHL, people for even other NHL teams that really like Zach Benson have taken interest in this player. They just question whether it's the best thing for him because some nights he's only playing 13 minutes. You mentioned the offensive production. It's certainly dropped off. They're a team that that is losing, right? They've got to really go on a run here to make the playoffs. But in the Sabres, you know, their argument is this kid is giving them a good chance to win and they're going to put the best, the the lineup on the ice they feel gives them the best chance and, and he's a part of it. So we'll see where it goes from here. You know, they could always pivot. They could always send him back to the WHL and, bring up somebody from Rochester, but right now he's just proven to be too invaluable to what they're trying to do. So when we look at, you you talk about the offense and we look at the Sabres and you think about the potential for a high scoring offense, you think of guys like Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck and Rasmus Dahlin, Jeff Skinner, uh, even Dylan Cousins, although he's, he's, his scoring has really dropped off this season, but you feel like he's going to be able to get back to that point. 
it feels like for a lot of people, you'd have to get a, a pretty decent way down the list before we talk about Casey Middlestat. And when you look at it, he's leading the team in scoring 38 points in 44 games. He's, you know, he's approaching, uh, or at least he's on pace to pass his career high of 59 that he got last year. Is this just experience and maturity that has led us to this point with Casey Middlestat? Absolutely. He's a kid. Remember, he got rushed to the NHL. Yeah, Whether, you 25. Know, we forget doing, about that. <laughs> exactly. He, 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 he barely spent an entire season, or he didn't even spend a whole year at the University of Minnesota, goes to the NHL, and, and jumps into a bad situation. You know, Berglund left. They were using him as their second-line center. Bad habits crept into his game. Not Doesn't have a good supporting cast. And he's a young guy, right? You, you, you have to learn how to be a pro to succeed in the NHL. That's taking care of yourself. That's eating right. That's training properly. And he's a guy who fought through injuries early on. He fought through inconsistency. Now, he has become one of their leaders off the ice. He is a big reason why their 5-on-5 five five offense is top 10 of the NHL. The Sabres aren't losing because of their 5-on-5 five five game. They're losing because... Their team defense has been way too up and down, and their power play is bad. Like, they need to figure out their power play. And regardless of their issues, you know, Middlestad's really turned into a pretty a pretty invaluable player. He's so good along the wall. He can play center. He can play wing. He's good on the power play, you know, with, with what he, the, the strengths that he brings to either the first or the second unit. Now they've got a decision to make, Matt, because they were planning on – replacing Casey Middlestad from within with guys like Huli, they got Rose and Savoy. We can keep going down the list, but now, I mean, he's a restricted free agent this summer. The price tag is going up by the day and they're going to have to make a decision here because if they're not going to, if they're not interested in paying Casey Middlestad long-term, I'm sure another team will because that guy, his game just keeps improving. And the scoring is the part that's still missing because he doesn't shoot the fuck enough, but he's more than capable of adding that to his game. And without him, I mean, this team would be, the straights would be even more dire than they are at the moment. Uh, I, I need a, like a 60 second answer for this one. And I'll be quick with the question. Um, you talk about all those guys that they have all these forwards and you look at their defensive unit and maybe it could use some work. What do you think the willingness is to part with some of these guys in order to improve the roster right now to try and make a push for the playoffs this year? I'll believe it when I see it, especially when it comes to the high-end guys. Remember, they were in a position last year where they could have gotten Jacob Chikrin. I'm not saying that Chikrin has been a solution in Ottawa, of course, but they they were very hesitant to make that sort of move. And I still believe that Kevin Adams is going to still have that hesitation because he's paying guys so much money like Darlene and Power to where he's he's still a little bit too protective, but they need to make something aggressive to shake up. Like You know what your core is, but you need to improve this roster around the margins. And you know, Connor Clifton ended up being a really good fit. It's taken a little time, but now they need another piece on the back end, especially with all the injuries that Samuelson has dealt with and some of the inconsistency we've seen from Henry Yoki Haru. It, the Sabres, to me, are always fascinating, especially with that prospect group, because, boy, oh, boy, they could make a real splash and surprise some teams. I, I would love to see it for the city of Buffalo, uh, but we will see what happens. Lance, thanks so much for taking some time. Really appreciate it. Uh, try and stay warm, and uh, don't hurt your back shoveling snow. <laughs> always a pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. You too. There he goes, Lance Lasowski from the Buffalo News. Time now for Line Change presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook, Bet Local. We're looking at the Maple Leafs and the Flames tonight. The puck line is the road favorite. The Leafs are favored by minus one and a half. The Leafs are four and one in their last five games against the Flames overall and five and one in their last six in Calgary. The Flames are five and one in their last six home games and the under has hit in five of the last seven Flames games against the Eastern Conference. 
Conference and four of the last five against the Atlantic. This is one of those games, the something's got to give game. Uh, the Leafs are, are riding a losing streak. The Flames are riding a winning streak. And, you know, you talk about the, the Maple Leafs and, and the comments made by Mitch Marner after the loss the other night and trying to block out the noise. And we're not worried about what other people are saying along those lines. Like, boy, oh boy, if you manage to go 0-2 to start this Western road swing and then you get the Vancouver Canucks and then the Seattle Kraken before coming home. I mean, that's not a good run for you and it certainly puts the spotlight on Sheldon Keefe. And as for the Flames, I mean, they look really good right now. Uh, Jacob Markstrom is banged up. He's day-to-day. Uh, but Dan Vladar looked good the other night against the Coyotes in, in that comeback victory. This Flames team is really making it an interesting decision going forward for Craig Conroy here. Because do you hold on to these guys for a little bit longer? Let this thing play out. There's only two points out of a playoff spot. Going to be really interesting. So we're looking forward to that one. That was Line Change presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook bet local. That's going to do it for us. Only an hour today. Jeff will be back tomorrow, we think. And we will have a full show for your listening and viewing pleasure. Thank you very much to the guests that joined me today. Elliot Freeman, as he as he always does, uh, off the top of the show. And Lance Lasowski from the Buffalo News. Thanks to Lance. Thanks to David. Thanks to Jen. This has been Matt Marchese for the Jeff Merrick Show.